This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome. It's another Books of the Year podcast from your friends at Books of the Year. <laughs> yes. It's been a long time. It does. I mean, we say we're your friends and then we run away for three or four weeks. Um, why is that? Why, why is that? Well, we did it, I mean, it certainly didn't have anything to do with events in Madrid. Let's let's be absolutely clear about that. Well, the fact there hasn't been a podcast, uh, isn't it? The, the, the podcast, yes, the podcast didn't but not why happen. Ha- why hasn't it? Is because... it because you are busy? <laughs> well, I, well, both of us are busy, aren't we? So you're uh, yes. very much uh, blazing the trails in Scala. Yes. And I, I see posters of you on the tube all the time. I know. You and Mark on the tube. And Angelica the, Bell. Exactly. Um, which does, cut every time I see those posters, I think of that, you know that story that Mark always tells on your uh, movie show about um, Towering Inferno and yes. who, got the, who got the better billing and whose name had to be higher up on the poster when they were doing it. I, I always I, think of that. I got the better billing. You I did think. get the better billing because your name is higher up and you're on the left. So, you know, is that, is that the right? Is that that is. Yeah, yeah that's very much the you're in control kind of thing. Uh, this podcast coming to you from a different studio. And I think yes. you can hear that there are uh, that the walls are painted white. Yes, they are. And I am by a country mile, I would say, the oldest person in this uh, on well, this I'm floor. older than you. So. OK, well, I am certainly I'm going to say double the age of anyone else that I saw yeah. on as I was on my way it's into the, the kind studio. Of place where they have breakout zones. Yes, they do. A lot of soft play, a lot of uh, men with beards uh, trying to give me a coffee. I think they're all eating avocado on toast. Yes. Sprinkled with Ugh. chili flakes. Actually, I quite like that. Oh, do you? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> once turning our nose up at the avocado. I uh, and also when I had to come into the building, you have to do a thing on a on an iPad. They don't you don't fill it in with a pen anymore. No, they signed you in, did they? Uh, yeah. So are you at war with the world? <laughs> yeah, um, yes. sure. So yeah. So how did the football go? So how the did the football go? Well, uh, I, I'm assuming. Did, I, did you? You didn't go to Madrid, did you? No. Why no. Would I go? No. Okay. Neither did I. I watched it. Oh. Where did you watch? I it? watched it um, in a golf club. I ended up in a golf club. How exactly. Very, very oh, and. Uh, I'm not, I don't I'm not a pleasant person to watch football with at the best of times. In what way? I, I just am not because I don't um allow people to have opinions that oh, I sorry, disagree I'm used with. To <laughs> So, and how many Liverpool fans uh, were there in the goal? Well, club? not enough by my count because um, some of them, I mean, some of them were 
uh, to put it um, uh, in the most delicate way I can, old, and so kept walking in front of the screen. Older than you. Older than me, imagine. Um, and so that I, I was just like, get out of the way of the screen. Um, and then obviously the result the way, the way it did, and I decided to go somewhere else for a drink. Because uh, it didn't feel like the golf club was going to be. It was open. a terrible match, really. I mean, it was an awful game, awful game. Okay, yeah. here's, so here's what I. The only thing I want to say is this: is that that's the worst I've seen Liverpool play this season. Uh huh. But Spurs weren't good enough to, to no, win. So you no. know, I'm not disagreeing with the result, but that was a pretty poor. It yes. was almost as though scoring in the first minute didn't really wasn't part of the plan. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't really know what to do. No, with that. no. I think I think basically threw both sides out. Also, it's not great holding a game like that three weeks after the end of the season. Because you know, perhaps two weeks is. I all think right. it sort of undervalues. It makes the, I don't know, undercuts the value of the of the uh, trophy. Really, really, I think you'll find seven hundred fifty thousand people on the streets of Liverpool the following day might disagree. Well, I'm sure that's what you say. It was. Yes, it was. It was seven hundred fifty thousand. I was there. It's probably having 30, counted 000. them in and counted them out, like Brian Hanrahan. There are seven hundred fifty thousand. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Did you? Uh, a shout and a holler. <laughs> I did a little. I uh, had a flag, and I've got quite a few pictures on my phone. So yes, uh, uh, no. So that. enough of that. Yes, let's go back to the books. So here we, yeah, and I'm well. I'm you know I'm sorry there hasn't been one for a while, but we we shall make up for it by yeah. Matt's going to be even better than normal. Yes. <laughs> Let's try. Uh, we didn't win at the podcast awards. No, we didn't. Um, How did that come down? Well, did we even get to the shortlist? Oh, I, no I don't idea. think we did. No, no. but uh, the uh, the Brexit cast team did. So that's a very good. It thing. is a good thing actually because I listened to them. Well, we both listened to them, and they're very good. Um, Darlene Adair, hello, Darlene. Does this mean this is the fact that we didn't win? Does oh, this yeah. mean I can go back to feeling smug about listening to niche podcasts again? Yes, that's how we should be billing ourselves. Is that we are like uh, you can say listening to us now is like seeing the Sex Pistols in the One Hundred Club or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was. who wants to be a part of you know hugely yeah. popular Th- that's going on the telly podcast. after Question Time? Apparently R- now, ridiculous! Isn't that ridiculous? ridiculous? It's a podcast. What are you doing on the telly? Doesn't make any sense. Mind you, we we do it obviously. <laughs> They would be brought. Horse and Country TV are listening. Yes, please. Um, How's it going with the horses? Uh, by it's the way? going very well with the horses. Very, very happy with the horses. Um, Joel Braithwaite um, tweeted us to say it's that about the Chloe Hooper. Correct, thing. Chloe Hooper, which is my favourite book so far. Uh, Chloe Hooper's interview on uh, Simon Mayo's Books of the Year pod was excellent. Was I remember Black Saturday two thousand and nine? It's still a shock to Aussies that fire is so deadly, and to know people start them is abhorrent. If you guys say this book is a best of the year, I believe you. It is on my list. Uh, Nick. Johnston, The Arsonist by Chloe Hooper, The True Story of Australia's Worst Fires on Black Saturday 2009. The language is as mesmerising as fire and it reads like a superb thriller and thereafter a courtroom drama. I agree with Simon and Matt. It's one of the best of 2019. There you go. It is. Uh, Ali Onions, uh, talking about Michelle Paver, who, of course, is a... Uh, Ali Onions. Ali Onions. Yes, it's definitely a real name. Uh, read Michelle Paver for the first time after hearing your podcast. Love the book. So happy to have discovered a new author. Uh, Ian Walker. Former Spurs goalkeeper. Spurs goalkeeper. Let's yeah. hope so. Yeah. Hello, Simon and Matt. Hello, Ian. Sorry I'm a bit late to the party in joining you on your superb Books superb. of the Year podcast. Yeah. I have been in a period of mourning after losing the company of some good friends around May last year. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, go on. <laughs> it's just so good to be able to hear your familiar voices once again. It is. And to be able to enjoy your banter 
and always entertaining book reviews. Always. Goodness me, Ian's doing very well. I have started from the first episode, and I'm working my way up to the present day, and I'm looking forward to the journey. Journey. So far, so good. The books you have reviewed sound excellent. I'm certainly looking to try as many of them as possible over the coming months. The guests are always entertaining, informative, and always give an extra depth of interest to their books that just makes you want to go out and buy them. Also... Enjoying the wanders down memory lane with references to Torchy the Battery Boy. Didn't exist. Walter Hottlebottle, mm. who I remember very well as the other 1960s stalwarts such as Zuni the Space Monkey. Okay. From Fireball XL5. Keep uh, up the good work. Is, is there any danger here that people are just mentioning? I think they are just ma- they're making up names. I'm probably going to find that something in the Urban Dictionary. What, Torchy the Battery Boy or Zuni yes. the Space Zuni Monkey? Zuni the Space Monkey, I'm going to say. Uh, yes. Excuse me, have you got any, uh, <laughs> have you got any Zuni? I need some. What, do you want some Space Monkey? <laughs> yeah, have you got any? I love it that that's your go-to <laughs> voice. I could, uh, I've got a half <laughs> kilo of Torchy. Because it's still the 50s, yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you got any Battery Boy? <laughs> Right. Did we ever, it's the, but Torchy was, it's part of my youth. Well, so you say, yes. I, I, I've now been confronted with visual evidence, so, so it definitely happened. Yeah, and I, Ian Walker, by the way, signs himself as Ian Walker, brackets, manly buttocks. What? Apparently it was a confession that he sent in you uh, think involving his manly buttocks. Manly I th- buttocks. I think Ian is just sort of, he just wanted me to say manly buttocks. I think he did. He's definitely my favourite Spurs goalkeeper, by the way, for yes. all the nice things he said. What about Pat Jennings? Pat Jennings? Well, of course, there's, there's, there's always Pat, isn't there? But he's not emailed the show, so, you know. No, okay, so it's Ian Walker. Fan Biggest fans in football, apparently. Really? Pat Jennings, yeah. Uh, at the time, lovely. Uh, Cl- they're probably still big. I don't, I don't think. I think uh, a certain Brazilian keeper playing in Liverpool might be... Uh, Pick your hands. Claire Blewett writes in to say... Is that Ray Clements? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, dear Simon, yes. I'm sorry to bother you at your podcast email address, but I was wondering why Itch Books 2 and 3... Uh, Itch Books 2 hey, and 3 don't, don't, to, don't give me a hard time. Don't seem to be available on Audible. Right. I'm quite busy and don't get much time to sit and read, but I do love listening to books whilst busy with chores or driving. I love your book recommendations on the podcast and have recently enjoyed Anthony Horowitz's last few books. And I've just started listening to Sam Bourne to Kill the Truth. That was great. Having completed Itch last week. Itch, that's Itch right. was a brilliant story. brilliant story. And although probably not aimed at a 46-year-old nurse, I'm keen to know how he got on with security services managing his life and what other adventures are in store for him. Yes. I will download it on my Kindle. But if you haven't got time to record the books, Daniel Hill was great, but Simon, you are perfectly capable of reading a lovely story. I am. I have so many voices. Then please record more podcasts for me to listen to instead of as as our ironing is boring without a distraction. Keep up the good work. Kind regards, Claire Blewett in Cambridge. Okay, well, the the answer to that is the first Itch book was an audio book and Itch books two and three weren't. So that's, I don't know why these things... Are decided. So by this is not your decision. No, 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 no. And this is no reflection on Daniel Hill, who no. voiced the first. One. I would quite like to record them, and they did. There, there was a conversation early on as to whether I'd record the the itch books, but ultimately, as people will probably be familiar, I don't have a vast repertoire <laughs> of I accents. I don't know, but you could, you do have. I mean, you can do the Cockney. And then there's the Cornish. And posh. And there's the posh. That, but that's uh, it. And then slightly gravelier Cockney. That's so. I, well, look, I would for baddies. Um, I and and itch is is back around because. Oh really? Oh, of course, yes, because of the TV. The TV series being filmed in Australia. In fact, I got sent the title sequence this morning. Oh yeah. This actually, why I do? Why, why I show let's you? do this? God, this works so well. Okay, I'm going to show you the title sequence. Uh, this is really, really good. 
on, on your phone. Brilliant. Unfortunately, I can't share them anywhere else, but I can show. Can Matt. you show? But you, you probably you, shouldn't have the audio playing. There's, there's, no, there's no, there's no audio. There's no audio. No, right. it's okay. just a title sequence. Okay. So I'm going to press play, and hopefully it'll use up all my data. <laughs> yeah. So it is on television uh, in Australia, wow. and it's going to come out in the new year. And I'm hoping that you know that they get sold around the world so that you can this get looks to very see it. bondy it does doesn't it yeah yeah this is very strong oh and all the elements as it's well a, yeah it's basically yeah. it's a periodic table with yes it is it's a bit sort of xboxy meets uh, meets a bond movie wow this looks very classic has it got to my name yet uh no not yet yeah. it, but you, the, the later you are in the credits the there you go. Oh. oh, boom. Your name. In fact, your name's last. I like to Yeah. yeah. It's pretty was good, that, isn't it? Was that in the contract? Definitely in the contract. My name must be last. So maybe, to answer your, your question, Claire, uh, Books 2 and 3 will get an audiobook once we've all kicked some life into this story again. Yes. Because I'd like, you know, yeah. I'd like to do that. With, uh, yeah, with the, with the TV series going round the world. That would be quite yes, good, please. wouldn't it? Then, hey, yes. we could do the podcast from Albany in Western Australia. Oh. Wouldn't that be great? So the only horses there, probably. I'll find some reason to get yeah, out of that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yes. Let's let's take the podcast on the road. <gasps> on the road. Here it comes. Yeah. Um, John McDonald, but probably, probably not, not that one. Not Marxist. <laughs> not Marxist John. <laughs> Hard. <laughs> From okay, the, let's add that to the list of things that we couldn't have done in the previous yeah. job. Here's John writing from the hard left. <laughs> Um, hi guys, love the pod and your book club days back on R2. Oh yes, we do remember them. Both ventures have broadened and enhanced my reading experience and I now read much more than before. Thanks for that. Thank you. My suggestion may be a bit niche, but hey-ho, how about some Trotsky or Stalin? <laughs> no, sorry, I, was, I got distracted there for a moment. Musical hero of mine, Wayne Hussey, is just Wayne Hussey, from yes. The Mission. Yeah. He's just written his memoirs, Salad Days, and I'm sure it'll be a good read for many, not just fans, as Mr. H has led a very interesting and colourful life whilst making some fantastic and underrated music. And I know that there hasn't been too many autobiographies on the pod, so I thought this one would be worthy of your attention. To illustrate an earlier point, I'm really enjoying Robbie Williams' reveal on your recommendation. Out of my reading and musical comfort zone, or so I thought. Uh, love the show, Steve. Yeah. Yours, John McDonald. <laughs> P.S. Have you <laughs> go on? Have you have you tried Bakunin's Constant Revolution? Yes. We could do some more Trotskyists. Yes. Well, I know, and we should get part. Wayne Wayne Hussey on. Um, not least because uh, me and Wayne could uh, discuss teams that have won the European oh, Cup six times. Oh, he's not. Is he Liverpool? Yes, absolutely. Is he a red? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I saw them live. And uh, he spent quite a lot of time talking about uh, Liverpool, so that's great. Uh, dear Simon and Matt. Hello. Uh, hello. I'm sure this Who is, is this, though, this right? Well, this is Rebecca Hinton-Cox of uh, Cardiff. And Rebecca writes, she's got a horse. Every year. Uh, I'm sure this isn't the type of writing you usually look for, and technically isn't even new writing, as it has sampled a Moira Andrew poem, but it was used to inspire creative writing, so I'm hoping to slip in on a judge's inquiry. Right. I know you haven't read any out for a while, but I'm so ridiculously proud and embarrassed at the same time that I needed to share it with someone. The attached is Matilda, my six-year-old's year one homework, about which I can only say I've tried to get her to use variations on bugs, worms, or earth, but 
but she insisted on skeletons. In mitigation, we live in a converted chapel with a graveyard as a front garden. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hope you enjoy. I feel the six-year-old erratic spelling only adds to the experience. Love the podcast. Here's hoping it casts more frequently. So yeah. Rebecca Hinton-Cox then has sent in uh, a photograph of Matilda's year one homework. And so the homework is structured so that it's about house poetry. So there's a bit about my house, a bit about... Uh, anyway, yeah. well, it's, all, it's all broken down. And Matilda has written... Uh, do you want to go through this? Okay, okay. So above my house are stars quivering, glancing... Uh, it's glittering, isn't it? Is, is that glittering? glittering? Oh, yeah, it could be. Yes, it is glittering. Uh, glancing down on my roof. Beside my house is a river... Dazzling in the sunrise. Is this your poetry voice? It is my poetry voice. I'm I'm very much auditioning for that now. Below my my horse. Below my house. (laughs) Below your horse. Below my horse. It's all about horses, isn't it? It is. I love those horses. Everything is about a horse. (laughs) Below my horse. Below my house are skeletons. Quiet and still. Around my house is ivy and wild strawberries, fresh, ripe and small. Over my house, the moon moon glows and shines down. And inside my house are my friends and my family and love. By Matilda. Wow. Well done, Matilda. No reference to a horse anyway. No, no. That's that's what we're missing. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can uh, tweet us at Books of the Year and you can email... Uh, books at the year at yahoo.com yahoo yes uh, and we'd love to hear from you and uh, stand by for another action-packed episode from your friends at books of the year we are very much your friends even though we just disappear once in a while can you make a, a disc of this for me to play at home definitely that's what they're that's what they're there for that is through there. Uh, the people. Do I have to have a headset on? Uh, you can put yeah, one on if you want. Yeah, it would be a good idea. Just so that you can hear how marvellous everything is. Does anybody want any water? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. please. Yes, water Only you. half for me. Only half some water. I'll have, the, I'll have half, top half, please. Top half of the water. All right. So uh, let me, uh, the other voice that you're hearing is Sue Nelson. The book is Wally Funk's Race for Space, as we said earlier, the extraordinary story of a female aviation pioneer. Uh, Sue is in the studio here uh, as well as we as we tell the story. Explain where you come into Wally's story here and, and, and what you're trying to do. Well, basically, I was I was living in uh, New York in 1997 and I was a, a journalist, well I still am a journalist, um, particularly interested in science and space and I came literally across a couple of lines in the New York Times which referred to the Mercury 13 about these women who had passed astronaut tests the same as the first men, the Mercury 7, but had never got the chance to go into space and from those three lines it became a sort of an obsession and I've spent over 20 years obsessed with it ever since. Finding out about the Mercury Fa- 13. Yeah, so I tracked down four of the women. And one was Irene Leverton, who was the first female crop duster in the United States. One was Sarah Ratley, who had been a mathematician. And, and like all of the women, they'd been extremely good pilots. Um, one was... I. Um, Oh, my gosh, Jerry Truehill. How can I forget Jerry Truehill? Um, larger than life. Um, in order to take the tests that Dr. Randolph Lovelace, who'd been the head of life sciences at NASA, and so he had helped devise tests for the male astronauts, and he wanted to see if women could 
could do as well. Jerry was given an ultimatum by her husband, either you go and take those tests or space or me. And she chose space and she came back to the airport to divorce papers. So it was, and the final person I met was Wally, <laughs> who ha, was, had been the youngest of the, um, of the women to take the test. So our sort of working relationship and friendship goes back over 20 years. And we kept in touch, and I kept in touch with quite a few of the other women. And then the last couple of years from 2016, we've been on um, road trips effectively. And that's what sort of formed the, the genesis of the book, in that I didn't want to do a straight autobiography. Um, because I felt you'd get more of an idea of what Wally was like from what we were doing together. And, uh, and so that's what it happens because we were traveling to NASA in Houston. We, we went to the European Space Agency in Cologne and Paris. I mean, I sort of jokingly describe it as a sort of, you know, elderly Thelma and Louise, you know, across okay, various yeah, planes, yeah. trains and automobiles sort of thing. Um, so, and, in order and, to give a history of not just the Mercury 13, but of Wally's life, but also about women in space, because that is such, for me, such an important piece of hidden history. I didn't know any of these other girls. I was on my own going through these tests. Some of them knew each other. I did not. That's true, because when the men did their tests, they tested as a group. When the women did their tests, they did them in two, two by two. Or one. Yeah, and Wally's pa partner dropped out really quickly, didn't Within she, Within one hour, she yeah. failed the test. So whereas the men had the support and the camaraderie, and if you've ever seen that brilliant film or the book, The Right Stuff, uh -huh. read it, um, they were supporting each other with, you know, the, all manner of unspeakable things stuck in all manner of places up their body. Uh, Wally did all that on her own, which is quite, quite incredible. So Mercury, <laughs> this, is the, this is a space program. Affirmative. Yes. Okay. Now, not a program as you would know it because it ended after Loveless had passed away and all the records were destroyed. What you're hearing now is what people have been talking about for the last 20 years when they found out about the different Mercuries. Okay. So so who is this Loveless person? Dr. Loveless owned a Loveless Foundation that, that was wanting to put through astronauts like he did the guys. And then he said the guys didn't do very well. So let's try girls. Okay, and what were the tests? The tests were everything about your body. I had 10 degree water strapped in a chair, stuck in my ear, and my parents always taught me never to cry, never to yell out. And can you imagine how that hurt? A lot. And I said, oh my goodness. Why did they put cold water in your ear? Because they wanted to see how you're going to react. I see, of course. And see how uh, the rest of your brain's going to work. Are you going to pass out? I, who knows? I didn't do anything. I just said, and then you wait for an hour, and then they come back and get you, and they strap you in, and they do the other one, and that one hurt a little bit more because this is my better, my left ear is my better ear. I said, oh, my word, that one hurts. That's all I ever said. Okay. So... Now I found out about putting things in your ears that you shouldn't be putting in and um, taking care of them. I have pretty good, uh, I can hear well, except in all my flying, I have over 19,600 flying hours. Now program that in your head. More than most pilots have, uh, airline pilots have. Because I always sat in the right seat, the engine was over here on the right, 
So obviously, that's what I heard all the time. Over here, I'm hearing the headset and my pilot, or the people I was teaching, or what I was hearing out of the uh, tower. Okay. I, I tell you what I'm, I'm very happy about here, Wally, is having read the book, um, I think Sue captures you uh, absolutely spot on. <laughs> because <laughs> you. you are, um, whenever, she's, whenever you're talking, you are in full caps the whole time in that That's book. right. And you are absolutely in full caps now with your with your jacket. We I think we need to talk about your jacket. The jacket you've come in wearing um, has got patches all over it. It's my history. Look at that top one, though, the flying Aggies. That's where I got a lot of my flying, oh, all o- my ratings. OSU is Oklahoma and State I started out University. at Stevens College. And look, it's like a history on a it's, jacket. It's, and then a lot of the... the the th- races that I've done, I've been in 99, which are women pilot uh, organizations, started in 1929, and there was all these girls that wanted to say, hey, we need a name. And somebody said, 99 people there, and that was started the name of the 99s. And I've been in 99 for 60 years. Can you pass your jacket over? Can I have a look? Can I have a close-up? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not finished with it yet. Oh. <laughs> and the so pal- the palms to I was hoping to get really in the good. space shuttle because I've applied to many. I've applied to NASA, and, of course, with NASA not being able to have a engineering degree, they couldn't hire me, so I tried to get an engineering degree. When I was a chief pilot, I've been a chief pilot all over the United States, as well as a airline pilot. And then I worked for the FAA as an inspector, and I've worked for NTSB as an investigator, and I've done over 45 accident investigations in three different states. And I've had a fabulous life with everybody I've met, everybody I've been with, whether it's been an accident or something great or an air race. I've loved it. And so where, the, where this story, this story could be how Wally didn't go into space. But actually what I took from it and what um, comes across, even just in that jacket, Wally, is that is a story of how you, how much you have achieved, but also how much you have loved, do, how, in effect, how lucky you've been, Wally, to spend a life, a life doing all of those things that you love doing. You and they're all there lucky? on your jacket. No, it's because I made it happen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because I, I believe that. in that, spirit of that mountain. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But what a- I can do air, I can work on airplanes, cars, build tree houses, uh, ride horses on, in, in competition, skiing competition. I've done a lot of competition in my life. And this is just not all. There's more. So when they decided that women weren't going into space and John Glenn said it was against the social order, what did you think? I thought he was wrong. He didn't know about girls. He didn't know what we were capable of. He didn't know what I was capable of. And I met him. What did you say to him? Nothing. Nothing in particular. He said, oh, you're going to go? Yeah, of course I am. I can't believe he had I, lived. I can't believe that out. I can't believe that you didn't have anything to say to John Glenn. Oh sure, she's too polite. I've I've I've, I've met <laughs> quite a few of the guys. Do they accept that they were wrong? They never said they were wrong. They just said, "What am I going to do?" And I said, "I'm going up to space, just like you did. I want to go to ISS." Unfortunately, because I didn't have an engineering degree, I couldn't get hired by NASA to do that. When I tried to get that engineering degree, I went to a college, and I told the guy I wanted to be an engineer, and he slapped me on the shoulder, and he said, you're a girl. Go to home ec. I said, 
thank you, and I walked right out the door because I was taught by my parents, if anything ever comes up that is not appropriate to you, whether it's physical or verbally, you thank you and you go out the door. And that's what I've had. I've only had to do it twice in my life. But also I've had the, a great, great life. The, the um, NASA didn't admit women, though, until 1978, which is remarkably late when you consider that the first woman went into space in 1963. Valentina Tereshkova. Yeah, Wally took her tests in 1961, so she had to wait 17 years before she could actually officially join NASA anyway. So when the Russians sent a woman into space, Valentina, Wally, yeah, I know her. Yeah, what did, what did you think when the Russians... Oh, great! A girl's up there. And then when I met her many years later, I asked her, I said, how was it? She said, it was fabulous. I said, the press was not too kind to you. She said, never mind them. I really didn't get sick. So then I learned the press is not always correct. I want to talk to you about um, Jackie Cochran and, and the role that she played. And you're, you're shaking your head. Jackie was, I think, well, instrumental as far as um, in a positive and a negative way as far as women going into space is concerned. I think she played an important role there, Wally. She did early in her life. Uh-huh. She helped financially help us to get to um, Loveless. Other than that, I knew her very slightly in Taos because she would come to the Pueblo and knew the chief, and I knew the chief. She was nice to me, but I didn't like exactly how she talked about the girls and what she did at the end. So how did she talk about the girls? It's just that wasn't nice. She wasn't nice about them. Wally's too polite. You can't. Wally's been, as you can tell, brought up with exquisite manners, and she doesn't like to talk too badly about people. Do That's you, correct. Wally? There you go. But she, but Jackie did scupper that project as far as women getting into no, space. No, it was done in uh, uh, Janie Hart with. Yeah, it was Janie Hart and oh, now you've made me. Oh, Jerry Cobb, who was the first woman to and they take went to the, the tests. And passed them, and as a result of her doing so exceptionally well, she beat most most of the male Mercury Seven astronauts in her test results. That was what made the doctor, the medical doctor, Dr. Randy Lovelace, want to test more women in in the first place. And Jackie Cochran, she was a famous aviator in her own right. She she broken the sound barrier. She had Chuck Yeager as a chase pilot. She was too old to be one of the Mercury 13, the 13 women that passed, because they used the same age range as they had for the men, which was um, between 25 and 40. And she was in her 50s. Now, Wally was exceptional because Wally was under 25, but they still allowed her to take the pass. She was 22. Um, but Jackie, sadly, it was her, it was Janie Hart, who was the wife of a senator, and also the mother of eight. She was the oldest woman. She was 40 who passed the test. She knew to try and take it officially through a committee hearing to try and get NASA to admit women in the 60s so that all these women who passed could become astronauts, which was only fair. And then the, the, the sort of, they were the four, and the against included, as Simon mentioned, you know, John Glenn with his It's Against the Social Order, Scott Carpenter, who also spoke against them. He was another astronaut. And Jackie was supposed to speak for the women. 
And she rather, you know, inexplicably basically said, well, yes, women should go into space, but maybe not just yet. Maybe let the men go first. And that was like the final nail in the coffin. Because on the basis of science and evidence, a weight and height if space in the cockpit and, and the weight of the spacecraft are, women. Uh, are important, you would naturally go to women first. Yes, because anything in space, uh, mass, your, your, it, you, the, the less mass you have, the cheaper it is to fly because you need less fuel. So women with them generally being shorter and generally lighter, then yes, you would choose. And often women do much better in the endurance tests. As Wally proved when she did the isolation test, she beat everyone. She beat all the men at that. She stayed in an isolation tank for 10 hours and 35 minutes. Which, which leads me to um, a point that um, particularly intrigued me in the book, which is the assertion that the first foot on Mars could well be a woman. Well, the first, before we get to Mars, um, the Americans have already announced that they, get, they want to get back to the moon by 2024 and one of the crew will be a woman. So first of all, we'll have the first woman on the moon, which is a shame, which is great. But having said that, you know, a member of the Mercury 7, they went on the, they, they went on the Apollo missions. They, they, they were on the moon. Alan Shepard. Um, look at Wally here. Wally could have been the first woman can. on the moon. You still can. I still can. I would like to go. <laughs> but we're not going to the moon anytime soon. Well, the, the Americans, NASA and Trump have said 2024. Mars is, you know, Mars is going to take a long time. But yes, you will eventually get. But I think it's the moon next, which is the big thing for women anyway. But yeah, that could have been Wally or any yeah, member I'd of like the Mercury to. 13, you know, because the Apollo missions were made up of some of the Mercury Seven astronauts. How exciting it's like an would, alternate history. How exciting would that be, Wally, to be the first to, to be to be the first person on Mars, but for a woman to be the first foot on Mars? And on the moon. Well, I but but I'm talking about, you know, if we're looking at years in advance for the first person to, to It won't put be in foot, my lifetime that I'll see somebody go to Mars. It will be in my lifetime to see somebody go to the moon because it's gonna take that long. Plus the fact I was just with NASA and the way they're making their tires now to go on the vehicles that, that are going to be moving the, the on rovers, the moon and, yeah. and Mars are made of wire with strips on them that are, are, are metal. Why wire? Well, the rubber was running off of the tires when it was, they were up on Mars to begin with, or moon to begin with. The wire, what is the toughest wire that you know of that they would make a tire of? Uh, yeah, come on. Toughest wire, it, titanium, isn't that, isn't that the toughest no, wire? No, it's a piano wire. Oh, really? I've got the picture out there. The whole thing is made of piano wires, the last piano wire on the piano, and I've researched it, and it's incredible. And that's what they're made of. So I wanted to pick up that tire so bad when I was with it. I was some, but he, I, I couldn't at that point. But things are changing, but not quickly enough. The press is talking more about it faster than it's really happening. But you have a ticket for the Virgin Galactic? Of course, from 2000. And so you're still hoping to get into space? Of course. And I'm going to go see them in two days. Okay. And what, what are you hoping that they'll say? They'll give me a number. My number, I thought, was 136, but now it's a little higher than that. They have 700 people that have paid and paid a whole lot more than I've paid. However, 
Is it really going to happen? Is Branson really going to do this? Because we know he goes up and down on his scale of thought process and money process. But you've paid the money. Oh, I'll get it back if I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, nice try. So, and this is, my understanding is two hundred thousand dollars. I'm sorry. My understanding is it's two hundred thousand dollars. It's now two fifty for me. Yeah. Not now. No, it's gone up. A lot. Okay. But but you will go up, Wally. I I think of course because they've already the, in December they they did their first flight officially into space. They a couple of months ago they did their second test flight and they took up um, Beth Moses, an astronaut trainer who works there. So you've got the first female astronaut as a commercial space flight passenger. My guess is for the moon landings, you know, Branson loves a bit of publicity. I reckon he will do around that time the first proper passenger flight. He, he's promised his family he'll go on there, but we're hoping that Wally will go up within six to nine months. I am anywhere. That would be my, I'd put money on that, that you will be up in the oh, year. Oh, uh, yeah? All right. Well, we'll, we'll work on that then. You're, quite, you you're quite impatient I'm now. S- I'm still strong. I still make my exercises. I can do anything that anybody wants me to do. What are the exercises that you do? Anything physical. Just like what me asking you, what do you do? Well, I go, I go to the gym and I do a bit of stretching because I'm getting okay. on a bit. I don't have to go to gym. I know what to do at home and I have a place that I can go in Grapevine. There you go. I reckon, I reckon, I've done this. I reckon if there was a fight in this room. <laughs> you you want to do a little arm wrestling? No. <laughs> I'm, yeah, my money wouldn't be yeah, on no, you, no, Simon, No, actually. it's not on any of us. No. <laughs> we know no. where the money's going, Wally. Yeah. Wally, Wally's, <laughs> in, Wally's in charge. Yeah, Wally would win. Says. That's fine. I yeah. don't want to be the person from Virgin who says, <laughs> Wally, it's full. Because oh, that's, be that's not going well. So you need to be on that first flight. He needs to be sat one. by the window. Well, it yeah. seems only on fair because when Branson opened, um, did the inaugural sort of launch of Spaceport America, which is where Wally will fly from, which is um, a, a space airport, if you like, in New Mexico, right in the south, he had two people there to help with the publicity of the launch. One was John Glenn and one was Wally Funk. So I think it seems only polite yeah. to have her there for the first flight as well. Yes, that's right. I think that's the the way the social order should be. Social order, quite right. Absolutely. Because it's all about the social order. So you're still ambitious, Wally. That's what's great. More so. Yeah? Yes, 100% more so. Okay. Well, the book, as you will gather, is an extraordinary story. And just out of interest, Sue, when you, you said it's a travel piece, so you drive around to these different destinations, how is Wally received? when she goes to these places? Um, A mixture of shock and awe, delight, amazement, gobsmacked, but she charms them, she wins them over, she she goes in and uh, knocks them dead. Yeah. We don't often get a chance to meet a trailblazer, but Wally Funk is definitely one of those. Wally, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you for having me. The book is Wally Funk's Race for Space, The Extraordinary Story of the Female Aviation Pioneers by Sue Nelson. Sue, thank you. You're welcome. Well, that was an experience. <laughs> yes. Who was in charge? Wally was in charge. <laughs> it's her podcast, Wally Funk's much. Books of the Year. And we say now, I didn't say it in the interview, she's 80, okay? Yeah. Eight, that's eight zero. And if, 
if either of us, when we get to 80, Goodness are as me. sparky and excited about life as she is, wow. then we'll be doing fine. No, she was superb, wasn't and she? She hit you three times. She did. She, well, she, I mean... <laughs> you were in range. <laughs> no, but what, what a story. And um, yes, you don't say no to Wally. She's, uh, yes, larger than life is, is coming close to a description yeah. for her. Uh, anyway, so thank you for downloading this latest podcast from uh, Books of the Year. And the Q&A, will be, which will feature Sue and a little bit of Wally, uh, will be available shortly. And unless Matt insists on going away yeah. for vast stretches of time or running gymkhanas <laughs> and horse races for, yeah. for his friends, yeah. then yeah. hopefully we'll have another podcast for you very, very soon, short. I think. When is your next encounter with the horse? Uh, with a horse? Uh, oh, there's going to be a couple tomorrow, actually. Oh, right. Yes. Okay, where do you go yes. for that? I'm going to Liverpool tomorrow. Really? For, yes. Oh, I'm overturning everyone's conceptions about the sport again. Oh, no, you're not. Yes. I know yes, they've I got horses so. in Liverpool. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that's where I'm going tomorrow. Very excited, actually. Yes, Good. it'll be the, my first time back in Liverpool since. Uh, oh, there was, and uh, we're the running out of time. Match. Thank you very much indeed <laughs> for joining us. You're fired. <laughs>